welcome back to Alex's Daily Grind, where I talk about whatever the hell I want because it's my podcast. Welcome to my head. Short disclaimer before we start, I remember I said that I will not swear in one of my first or second episodes. Well, I take that back because I figured out that swearing, uh, intelligent swearing, that's what, I, that's what I'm going to call it, intelligent swearing is an essential part of uh, of you know of of an intelligent conversation, really, of making an intelligent point, because when I when I talk to myself, not in a crazy way, I'm not a crazy person, but you know when I come up with ideas that I want to write down and that I want to talk about during my podcast, I usually talk to myself, you know, in my head for a while, and I like I I see something and then I say, oh, here's a thought. And then I develop the thought and then I write it down in the form of a note. So in that process, some things, not all of them, but some things, I take them too seriously or I take them too close to my heart, you know, too passionately. And swearing just comes automatically because swearing in many cases emphasizes the emotion. It emphasizes the importance or it emphasizes the passion, right? Like, for example... If you close, uh, you know, if you sell your, your company, you know, fuck yeah, we've done it, guys, you know. Uh, or if uh, if there is something that you, you know, just can't accept, like your friend just signed up for a one-way trip to Mars, you say, what the fuck, man, right? I mean, if you say it without swearing, it would be like, hey, man, seriously? Uh, you know, it's, it's a little, it's weird, just a little weird and not as engaging like that person might even think that you're not a real friend if you say it like that right so swear intelligent swearing smart swearing if you you know if you want to put it this way i think is essential uh and that's you know kind of the essential part of any meaningful conversation if it's really passionate you know if it's if the conversation is really about important things so let's start i have five short topics for today and the first one being the harder you work, the luckier you become. LOL. Well, I added LOL, but the or the original version is the harder you work, the luckier you become. Cool, right? And most of you probably have heard about it already, but I haven't. And uh, well, until three weeks ago when I wrote that note down. But it's kind of true. And it's amazing how like if you start becoming successful, you start noticing all that stuff that Gary Vee is talking about, about the haters and how you have to learn not to uh, not to see them, not to pay attention. And that's a skill that you learn over time because as you as you're as you're progressing, as you're as you're uh, going along your journey, uh, you don't have any haters because no one knows about this. But once you start getting noticeably successful, then, you know, that's when you start getting people in your life who would say things like, and, you know, he was born into money, he had all these friends and connections, of course, if I had that stuff, you know, I'd be there. No, you fucking wouldn't. No, because it's not, and <clears throat> I have to say, you know, this, this, this thing that I, I hear this a lot from successful entrepreneurs, like about this hard work thing, right? I don't agree. I mean, I don't, I don't, well, first of all, I don't consider it work, right? I don't consider that it's work. It's, uh, well, it's just the way you live. 
Second, hard work is even more, you know, kind of, I don't know, it bears, bears the weight of responsibility. Like you have to work hard and like whoever listens to that just thinks, oh, okay, I'm a young entrepreneur. I want this to succeed. I need to do something, but I need to work hard. So those people just start pushing themselves, right? And, you know, there are things like Mark Cuban says, like every every hour or something, like every every bit of time that you spend on bullshit or rest, you know, someone else is kicking your ass, you know, getting you out of business. It's true. But even when you're working hard, someone is still working harder or, you know, someone is constantly trying to kick you out of business. That's not the point. The point is all about smart decisions along the way. Like that's, you know, the same stuff that you are working on today can be done smarter. Like Henry Ford said again, like I'm probably really irritating already by by quoting this one phrase that he said in every episode, but it just, you know, it makes sense. Everything that's been done can be done better, right? It's like you can't claim that what you are doing today is the ultimate version of how you can do it. If you claim that, you're a stupid person who probably doesn't really, you know, care about anyone else's opinion about, you know, the history of doing the same type of stuff about, you know, ways to improve. And you're probably going to lose in the end because true entrepreneurs, they're always open to, you know, to other opinions and you're always looking for ways to improve. So whatever you're doing can be done better, right? There is a better way. It's just that you're stuck with this way and, you know, that's, that's your choice. Uh, but without constantly thinking about how what you're doing can be done better, you will most likely lose or not succeed or succeed in an average way. But if you want to make a big way, you have to be constantly moving around and, and changing shapes and changing colors and just being all those different things, but staying a course, obviously. So this is what's meant by hard work, right? The harder you work, the luckier you become. I would rephrase that and say, uh, the more dedicated you are, the luckier you become. Because, uh, you know, it's a matter of dedication, really. It's, it's, it's a matter of not really paying attention to your failures at all. Learning from them, yes. But paying attention, like why? It's, it's, the, it's a matter of, of the past, right? It already happened. Like you didn't close the contract or you, you, you heard, you know, a bunch of no's. And, you know, it doesn't mean a thing. Like, okay, it doesn't mean anything. It's just part of the process. It just, I mean, I completely disregard that in my life. Um, but dedication, staying a course, not counting like, oh, I've been in this for four, four years now and I'm still not successful. Well, guess what? I mean, sometimes people are in something for 10 years. It's just, you know, the, the shitty, shitty, you know, shitty industry that you've picked maybe, you know, that takes you so long and it's all right. I mean, it's fine. It's your industry standard. Okay. Yeah. And other folks, when they're 18, they're driving their Lambos. That's not, it's not, I mean, it's by no means a sign of success. But if you, in the course of those four years, if you are doing what you're passionate about, what you love doing, and you know that, I mean, obviously, you have, it's not just that. I mean, I, I love, I'm passionate about boxing and, and I'm passionate about soccer. I mean, I could be playing soccer like 24-7, uh, really. Like just as long as my buddy can tolerate, I can play soccer for real. Like I love the game and I'm really good at it. But should I do it for a living? Probably not. 
Uh, I mean, there are so many players that are much, much better than me, right? Like a thousand times better than me, but I enjoy the game. It doesn't mean that I have to make it a living, you know, make a living out of it. So my point is that you, I mean, you have to stay sober in your mind. You have to understand that what you're doing, what you're getting yourself into will pay off. Like, or there have been cases of similar things, you know, that paid off. I mean, that's the only way of doing this. Uh, if you want to make it big, like if you want to be an average person and still love what you do, obviously there are like a million ways to do that. And it's much easier, but this phrase, the harder you work, the luckier you become is true. It's more, you know, the, the more dedicated you are to your specific thing, the luckier you become, I would say. And again, there are so many different ways of doing what you do that you don't have to care about competition. I would, I, I mean, I never care about competition. I study it. I know that, you know, that there is competition. It's always a sign that there is market for what you do, but that same company, you know, like for example, Instagram and uh, just recently got introduced to uh, Tic Tac, this new uh, trash content uh, application, which basically lets you upload those 15 second videos with music and bullshit. So it's all trash content that I, I, I don't know why anyone would ever want to watch that. But there is, you know, there are millions of people who want to, to watch that. And, uh, and that's great because there is market for that. But if you looked at Instagram and you had this idea, for example, if you were like me, 35, you know, and uh, you were into enterprise more, into B2B, into, you know, consumer applications that make sense, you know, meaningful content, you would say like, what? Like, why would you even consider doing this? You know, if we have stories on Instagram, same stuff, 15 seconds, you can add music to it and shit. So I would say no to this idea, but these guys didn't and they succeeded. So you never know, first of all. Second, you have to do this if you really believe in it and third there are always ways to do things better or differently from your current competition that's that's the point so the harder you work the luckier you become is is is, is truth second thing i wanted to talk about is uh it's just you know just a little fun fact really interesting uh i saw a documentary i think or some video on youtube about inmates who were in prison for like 20 or 30 years and they got got out and they got interviewed about the you know the things that shocked them the most and obviously that you know there was stuff related to technology like laptops and cars and you know those digital advertisement and you know, all that stuff stock trading how all that stuff improved or evolved or just emerged and stuff but surprisingly people got used to it really fast what they didn't get used to it, like that was one guy who uh, who pointed out that, you know, the most shocking thing to me was how empty community parks were after 6 p.m. And I was like, why? Yeah, that's true. Like most of the, and I'm, I'm not sure what part of the country he was in. Uh, it's, it might, might not be true for California, but the example that he gave was that when he was young, before he went to prison, Though those parks were crowded by youngsters, like 50 to 60 people per community park, just basically socializing, doing stupid shit, you know, the, the stuff that, that young people do. And uh, um, today, you can't see a single soul in those parks after 6 p.m. Uh, why? Well, there are different ways to look at this, but uh, have you ever passed by a restaurant or a cafe today and looked through the window inside and you saw 
couples and you saw families and you saw, you know, just uh, groups of people sitting at the same table, just next to each other, looking to their phones, you know, checking, <laughs> checking their apps as if something happened to those apps while, you know, they weren't checking. But the point is that we are dragged into the digital world much deeper than we thought we were. And this, you know, this feeling of guilt, I guess, that some people have about using their apps while they're with their family and stuff, it's it's deeper now. Like before, people were pointing out at that. Like parents, I remember like there was a time four years ago, probably there was a trend that parents started to really uh, look into the issue and they started to uh, penalize their kids for using, you know, technology during dinners and stuff like that. And they were really strict about it. They were trying, right? They were trying. It was like this impulse. Today, parents are just sitting next to their kids with their phones, checking their stuff. And it's sad because, I mean, it's not that, you know, you want all people to do what you want. It's just that uh, it's sad that, you know, people are so weak, Um uh, that they fall for, you know, for stuff that's so easy. They fall for stuff that's, you know, that that's meaningless. They fall for consumption versus production. At the same time, to me as an entrepreneur, it's a great sign. It means that, you know, I have less competition. <laughs> and I mean, it's a it might be a greedy and arrogant thought, but it's true. The more people, you know, become zombies at dinner tables, the more opportunity I personally get. Uh, the only thing that, that I fear is that my kids will, you know, also be part of that movement. That's why, you know, we rarely show technology to our two-year-old son and, uh, we're not planning on, but the, I mean, he will at a certain point discover it anyway. Uh, it's just, you know, it's all about habit building, I guess. Uh, if you're paying attention, if you show your kids, and, you know, other people, how beautiful the life is, you know, all those journeys and experiences. I think it's fine to use technology in order to produce stuff. I mean, you, I consume a lot of information, but I try to stay within my 80-20 ratio. It's when I, you know, 20% uh, of the information is what I consume and 80% is what I produce. I would say that that's my, you know, it's my ideal goal, but in reality, it's probably 50-50. But that's what I'm, what I'm shooting for. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun theory. Maybe it's offending or something. Offensive, I'm sorry. Uh, but I think if people today were allowed to, to take cell phones and video game consoles to prison if they, you know, if they somehow managed to commit crime while looking at their fucking phones, then they would be all right. You know, they could, you know, spend years in prison without really having that emotional burden you know, or, you know, that be really, you know, well, provided they don't get raped and they don't get, you know, beaten up and all that stuff. But if they were put in civilized, like Scandinavian uh, prison with access to Instagram, unlimited access to Instagram and video games, they wouldn't fucking care. Like they would, you know, of course it's a theory, but I think if they were allowed to do that, I would change the whole game. Some people would even think like, what? I wouldn't have to work. I'll have to just, you know, lie in my bed 24-7, play video games and check Instagram and post stories. Pfft, I'll take that. I mean, it's a theory, but something 
inside tells that you know tells me that that could actually be true, and that's freaking scary because when people stop appreciating their life and the life around them, they're unpredictable. They become unpredictable, and their unpredictableness creates opportunity not for just good guys like me, but for bad guys too. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there is an inflection point happening right now in society. Something's going to happen. Uh, is it going to be a good thing? I have no idea. But it might not be. And that's the scary part of it. Uh, now, the third topic I want to talk about is really, really cool. Uh, if you are, if you, again, if you are an aspiring person, entrepreneur, startup, if you're an enterprise, you know, if you're a C-level exec, all this stuff is relevant to you. And what I'm what I'm about to tell you right now, I mean, it's more towards startups, but here at my laptop, I have this short article that blew me away. Uh, and I mean, this statistics is just amazing. So uh, it's in Russian. I'm gonna I'm gonna translate it a little, you know, life, but it's pretty incredible. It's about how people actually get successful today and i'm not going to give you like all this bullshit stuff like oh the harder you work the luckier you become you know i already said that that's the foundation of it but and it's like that's default you have to have that in order to become successful is that a guarantee absolutely not but here's what what the what the, what the numbers say so scientists uh were discovering uh, they were they were studying painters and they were uh, studying museums and galleries in Europe and USA. Uh, museums, main ones, right? Just like five or six of those uh, that were basically determining the destiny and chances of painters uh, for success. So three years, they spent three years studying uh, the, the, the destiny of hundreds of thousands of painters and uh, their exhibitions and trade uh, trade history when when paint when, when those painter uh, paintings were bought uh, on auctions, for example, or through internet, or whatever. They spent three years studying that, and the period they studied was from 1980 through 2016. So it's a pretty massive uh, amount of time. So there's a lot of information here, but the conclusion is that if the first five exhibitions of a painter happened in the top museums and galleries, then 39% of those painters were in the market even 10 years after those exhibitions. And 60% were still exhibiting in those top uh, museums and galleries. And only 0.2% were left, you know, uh, left outside, you know, that just were out of the picture. Those who started to grow organically, though, just from the bottom up, only 14% versus 39. 14% were in the market in 10 years, and 73% uh, got into the level of like being an average painter, like averagely popular, and only 10% got to prestige by the end of their career uh, versus 60%. So uh 10% and 60% basically that's that's the correlation so it's not about the fact is not about the fact of the exhibition but about uh 
about the money that they got, you know, and the, and the glory and just, you know, being famous about the success, right? So the conclusion of the authors of that study was that only, and I, and I, I emphasize, only social connections play the, the, the main role in, uh, in painter success or in success as a whole. Only, not your talent, not how good your idea is, only your social connections. It might not be true for um, for digital products that much, uh, but it kind of is because from what I see, uh, like if you know people in the investment world, if you know venture capitalists, if you know good developers, you know if you know people who you know like celebrities and stuff who can help you market stuff, then you are inevitably popular because people fall for that stuff. Remember all those people in cafes and restaurants who just keep looking uh into your into their phones that's the stuff that i'm talking about uh my camera is about to die the battery obviously is low so you might not hear the rest two things that i want to talk about today but let me finish this one so everything that's happening to a painter's career right here and now good and bad has really high chances of becoming a success in the future if you have the right social connections. And the the formula of that success is basically uh, that you need to, you know, grind your, your way into those social networks of people who, you know, who, who, who are leading your industry. And that momentum will kind of drag you into the system automatically and will give you success. And uh, that's pretty amazing. Before that, you know, just being talented was enough. Today, it's not. And uh, I don't know if it's a sad fact or not. I mean, it's fine with me. By my standards, I think it makes sense because in today's oversaturated world, I think, you know, that's something that you absolutely need to have. Uh, people help people, you know, without people, you can't become successful. That's normal. So if you like what you hear, don't be an ass and do three things. One after another, first click like for a second, uh, click share and add your comment. If you wish something like, Hey, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to share it with my friends and neighbors and third one, click subscribe and don't forget to turn on notifications. Oh, and last thing I need you to do. Have a great life.